Have you ever had the feeling that there must be more to life? Does your heart whisper more, more, more? Do you constantly push your own dreams aside to keep up with the demands of motherhood? And does carpe diem sound like an oxymoron? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I am Sisse, and yes, I've been there too. Even though I'm from Denmark, the country of fairy tales, hygge, and happiness. Even here, motherhood is more of an ongoing challenge than an automatic happily ever after. I went back to the mantra of my university days for a solution, carpe diem, and I used it as a compass to create a happier life. I want to throw you a life raft so you too can avoid drowning in the sea of mom life overwhelm. This is the reason I coined carpe diemology, a new subject of study where we explore how mothers can truly seize every day. We come at this from all angles, which means that we talk about anything from the science of happiness to philosophy and psychology. We don't shy away from anecdotal evidence and practical strategies either. We talk about everything, from stress and survival mode to parenting advice and how to get closer to creating your dream life, all in the service of your future happiness. Now, let's study carpidiomology. Welcome to this episode of Carpidiomology Class. This week's episode is all about making choices, figuring out how we can cut through the overwhelm of everyday life and make the right choices. Choices that are aligned with our values and that can help us create the life we really want. In the last episode of Carpidiomology Class, we learned that Carpidium as a life philosophy in Roman Christianity's interpretation is in fact all about making choices. Roman summed it up in the maxim, I choose, therefore I am. He also said that what is important is not so much what choices we make, but that we make choices. And I agree in the sense that it is more important to make choices than exactly which choices we make, because staying stuck in analysis paralysis won't get us anywhere. And quite often in life, there is no right or wrong answer. But at the same time, making the right choices feel extremely important. When we have children, we are responsible for them. So when we make choices, we are also making choices for them. And we want to do our very best. So we want to make sure that we make the right choices. We are constantly bombarded with ideals and potential criticism from every direction we look in, especially if we go online. So many people are doing things we aren't doing. And God help you if you go online and express an opinion on motherhood, because you will certainly get feedback on your opinion, your choice, your way of doing things. But that can't scare us off doing things our own way. Last week, we also talked about Donald Miller's book, Hero on a Mission, where he explains that we need to become the hero of our own story instead of relegating ourselves to the sidelines of life. And first of all, amen to that. Donald explained that we don't have to be superhuman to become the hero of our own life. We just need to be willing to go through a transformation. What a relief. And I think this is where Roman Kuznarek's idea of carpe diem as a choice and Donald Miller's concept of becoming the hero or the main character in our own story are related. Because in order to become the hero, we need to figure out which transformations we want to go through. And that is also a choice. So how do we make the right choices in motherhood? How do we make the choices that will make for a good, interesting and fulfilling life? As parents, we are faced with decision-making from the moment we open our eyes till we go to bed. And if we have young kids, even in the middle of the night. 
According to the internet, the average adult makes 35,000 decisions every day. 35,000. No wonder word like decision fatigue exists. If that number is true, it amounts to 1,458 decisions per hour or 24 per minute. But we also sleep, so if we're lucky enough to sleep for 8 hours, if that were ever to happen, that means that the 35,000 decisions have to be squeezed into 16 hours, averaging 2,187 decisions per hour. That certainly sounds like a lot, and I've not been able to locate a credible source for this number. And also I think it depends on what is meant by a decision. In some sources quoting the mysterious source which cannot be found, it says that decisions are to be understood as remotely conscious. And I admit that I have not spent hours researching the number properly, because I have one kid home with the flu and I want to speak with you about something that is much more important than the actual number. The fact of the matter is that, regardless of the actual number, it certainly quite often feels as if we are making 35,000 decisions a day, so it's no wonder we feel overwhelmed. Let's explore why this constant decision making is a problem. There are two reasons. Number one, we have what is called finite cognitive resources, which is just a fancy term for saying that we only have the energy to make a certain number of decisions. And once they are made, we get exhausted and overwhelmed if we have to make more decisions. So that is what explains this overwhelm, but there is more. So problem number two. When we constantly make so many decisions in our day-to-day life, we often don't take the time to think about the big picture, which means that the large number of choices we make every day on the fly are not always aligned with our values. The decisions that really impact our life and move it in a new direction are certainly not made on autopilot. So how do we make the right decisions when it comes to the important stuff? Before I answer that question, I will look at one more challenge to our decision making and that is the idea that there is such a thing as a perfect mother. Before I answer that question, I will look at one more challenge to our decision making and that is the idea that there is such a thing as a perfect mother. We are smart, so of course when we stop and think about it, we know that there is no such thing as a perfect mother. But the idea about the perfect mother, which is perpetuated in so many places, is incredibly toxic. Because it feels as if she really does exist, because the idea of her is everywhere. So when we compare ourselves to that ideal, of course we come up lacking. When I think about the movies I saw when I was a child, the mother was almost always exclusively portrayed in a supportive and nurturing role. And I'm wondering if that might still be the case in some media. It annoys me, but right now I cannot for the life of me come up with any great examples. But it's an open question. Feel free to DM me on Instagram at carpodiemology if you find examples of that surface-level perfect mother who is only portrayed as supportive and nurturing and nothing else. Or if you find examples of really cool, inspiring women who are moms and pursue other big dreams and goals too. Just like childhood bullying in many cases has become so much more prevalent because children can access each other online. So the bullying continues even when school's out. The comparison trap has also become so much more prevalent in our lives. Before we compared ourselves to the mothers we met in real life and we saw ads when we were out and about in public or on TV, Now we can spend an infinite amount of time comparing ourselves to others on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. According to a white paper by Response Media, millennial moms have 3.4 social networks, which includes Pinterest, although to be technical here, 
that is actually a search engine, but let's not get lost in the details. The average millennial mom also checks her social feeds 15 times per day. A study published in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology in 2018 is said to be the first scientific study that proves that there is a causal link between the use of social media and negative effects on well-being, particularly depression and loneliness. We might compare ourselves to one other specific mom and feel that we fall short as a mom or that our life in general falls short. And while that is of course less than ideal, the issue is quite often compounded and made worse because most of the time we don't compare ourselves one to one. Instead, we compare ourselves in a far more insidious way. We compare ourselves to that ideal of the perfect mother that is not so much a real person, because it can't be, as it is an undercurrent of expectations that are thrust upon us from every direction. We compare ourselves to that illusion or to a larger group, and comparing ourselves to that means that we compare ourselves to a combined version of motherhood, because one mom on our Instagram feed might bake the best cookies with her kids, so we have to do that too. Then the next mom creates the best DIY Halloween and Christmas decor with her children, so we have to do that too. And then there is another mom who goes on camping trips with her kids all the time. And so we think that we need to do that too. But we don't have to make the best cookies, the DIY Halloween and Christmas decor and go camping. We should do the exact things that are important to us. All the other things should not matter. It never occurs to us that nobody does it all, or at least that they don't do it very successfully. We forget that the baking mom never does DIY decor, that the DIY mom hates camping, and that the camping mom buys store-bought cakes. You can also look at it like this. If you choose to do everything, you cannot do things as well as a mother who concentrates on fewer things. If you want to pursue a large variety of different interests, that is fine. It can be wonderful to pursue a variety of interests so that your children can become well-rounded individuals, but it is important that you don't compare yourself to the mom who specializes in something specific. Not pushing your child to become an elite anything is great because one, let them figure out for themselves what they want, and two, nudging your children is fine, but pushing them is more for you than it is for them. So not creating an environment where people have to excel at things is great. But if you are pursuing all these interests with the zest of someone who wants their child and themselves to exceed in everything, this is just setting yourself up for disaster and disappointment. That is not pursuing a variety of interests for the fun of it. That is toxic perfectionism. To sum up, the problem is that we create a sort of patchwork edition of all the mothers out there and we think that we have to do every single thing that all of them do. But they don't do everything either. They also pick and choose and maybe they too are frustrated and feel that they fall short because they are not doing everything. If you think you should do more or you should do better, I'm here to say that you probably shouldn't. You should probably do less and you should also care less about how well you do and have some fun with things instead. And another thing is that we cannot be interested in everything. It is better to focus on the things we can authentically do with our kids. I like to do DIY with my kids, but it has to be really easy projects. In my six-year-old's class, there is a mom who's brilliantly creative, and in their family, they go all out and completely over the top in the best way I love over the top with Halloween and Christmas. And I could be jealous that she can make all these beautiful things herself, but I don't have to be. I love Christmas just as much as she does, and my creative talents are just different. When it comes to decor, my creative talent is curating and arranging beautiful things made by others. 
And that is perfectly fine too. Instead of being jealous, I get to genuinely admire what she does. And I don't feel for a second that Christmas is something I'm not doing well enough. We should not feel obligated to be and do everything. Our children will meet other people with other interests and they will get the chance to learn from them. My parents never went skiing, yet I still learned that from other people because I wanted to. Perfectionism doesn't really have a place here. Your children need to feel loved regardless of whether or not they are performing to some random standard. And your life shouldn't be a performance either, because then you model to them that they are not enough just as they are. If you model perfectionism as a standard, regardless of how impossible it is to obtain, then they will feel that they have to be perfect or perform to an arbitrary standard to earn love and to feel valuable. And that is just wrong because our children are intrinsically valuable just because they are human beings and so are we. Making the right decisions is a process that we continually refine as we get to know ourselves more and more. Because when we know ourselves better, we also get clearer on our values. And when we know our values and we know that we do not have to be everything, it should be easier to make decisions on what we want to do and what choices we want to make in motherhood. But it is easier said than done because a lot of us are confused by our feelings of envy or jealousy towards other women. But it is important to first distinguish between the two because we think that they are almost the same thing and while it's true that they are related, they are also very different. So here we will get some help from Mel Robbins who has explained the difference incredibly elegantly and this is where if you are multitasking right now, you have to stop for a moment and listen closely because this might be your most important takeaway from this episode. Mel says that envy is one of the most toxic emotions that you can feel. She also says that envy is very different from jealousy because, and I quote, envy is when you not only want what the other person has, but there is a part of you that feels like they don't deserve it, end quote. Mel cautions us against envy and says it will corrode us because there is an edge to it She calls it an undercurrent that nobody talks about. And she says that it will keep us stuck. And here comes the most important quote of this episode. And it's a long one because it is that good. Mel Robbins says, When you're envious of somebody else, deep in your heart, you have a belief that because that person got that handbag, or they got that promotion, or they got to go on that trip, that somehow their success, their good fortune is robbing you of yours that there is only so much happiness, that there is only so much money, so many trips in the world to go around, and if you see somebody that is doing something that you want, they just took it away from you. So this is why envy becomes so dangerous to you, because if you live your life believing there is only so much in the world to go around, you are living your life in conflict with the fundamental laws of the way that the world works. When you think about abundance, when you think about possibility, when you think about dreams and success, those are infinite. Abundance means that it is there for the taking for everybody. That there is no limits to the amount of happiness or kitchen renovations or designer jeans or promotions that can go around. And when you allow yourselves to live in a state where you are envious of other people, you are living your life believing that there is only so much happiness And somebody else getting to be happy, somebody else getting to be engaged, somebody else getting to launch that business somehow robs you of yours because there is not enough to go around. You have got to change that. You've got to first and fundamentally believe that there is success, happiness, money, riches, possibility for everybody. There is enough for everybody. That nobody is in competition with you and that in fact when you see somebody that has something you desire, you should be happy. You want to know why? 
You should be happy because it's a sign that it's possible. End quote. Wow, I feel like every woman, every person really should hear this. I've linked to Mel's YouTube video in the show notes. Listen to it, although I've already shared most of it here because it is just that good. Share it with your friends. It might just change their whole outlook on life. And if you feel called out now, if you feel envious of others, don't beat yourself up about it. It has likely been a conditioned response that you've learned from other people. But please make an effort to unlearn it because it doesn't serve anyone, least of all yourself. You don't have to have made it, whatever that means, before you can begin to feel happy for other mothers, women and people in general. Just decide that you want to take on this mindset instead of being envious. You'll be happy because you see that what you want is actually possible. Decide that you want to be a person who thinks like this, who dreams big and who cheers other people on. I promise you that you'll have a lovelier experience of being in the world coexisting with all the other people who are out there going for their own goals. Be happy for your fellow mothers. No mommy wars, no combative mothering. Just be happy and you'll get so much further in your own life. So that was envy. Now, jealousy. When it comes to jealousy, I've found two really great tools. First is the test of sort. And the purpose is to see if we really are jealous or if we just think that we are. And the second is a perspective shift where the feeling of jealousy becomes a clue that contains really valuable information. Let's take them one by one. What I call the jealousy test was developed by a really cool Danish author named Hella Juf, who is also an actress and director and an overall really cool woman. Hella wrote a very short but magnificent book that in Danish was titled Papmacheren, and in English it would be The Paper Mache Rule. It is a book about the rules that apply or should be applied to life. One of her concepts that made the biggest impression on me was the jealousy test or the all or nothing rule, where she says that when you feel jealous of someone, you should investigate closely if you're really jealous or not. If your feeling of jealousy is valid, you have to want to swap everything with the person you're jealous of. I have always said that if I could change my looks, I would look like Kristen Dunst in Elizabeth Town. But guess what? I don't want to swap everything. I want to keep my husband and my kids and my house and so many other people and things in my life. So I'm not really jealous or at least not so jealous that I would want to swap lives. I think doing this jealousy or all or nothing test is incredibly helpful because it will make us realize all the things we like about ourselves and our life. Doing this test is so satisfying because regardless if you use Kirsten Dunst or any other person as your test person, it turns out that you are actually not jealous of their whole life. Instead, it is your brain that creates a patchwork ideal out of these bits and pieces from different people, but this has nothing to do with the real person or real life. So just let the distractive feeling of jealousy go. Instead, use this following perspective shift to get excited every single time you feel jealous. Wait, what? Yes, I'm not kidding. Love your jealousy. Here's why you should. Jealousy is information. Information about what you want. Again, I'm turning to Mel Robbins because to me, she's just the authority on using jealousy in a constructive way. Because in contrast to envy, jealousy is constructive. Mel explains that jealousy is a signal that is trying to get your attention. And the great thing about that is that Mel also says that you can only be jealous of the things that are meant for you. So whenever you feel jealous, you know that there is something you should go after and get for yourself instead of envying those who have it. If you want to know more about this perspective on jealousy, read chapter 8 in Mel's book, The High Five Habit. In fact, just go and read the whole book. It's fantastic. 
But before you do, and before I end this episode with what you can do to make better decisions, we need to take a detour to survival mode. Because if we are deep in survival mode, the question of even getting to a place where we feel we can make any choices becomes an issue. Nicole Perra, who's also known as the holistic psychologist, has expressed this in a very succinct way, and I quote, When we're in survival mode, or when our mothers are in survival mode in our childhood, there are a limited priority of needs, keeping the person alive, the child alive. To the best of their ability is more or less the only ability that parents have. So what do you do when you are so overwhelmed that you cannot seem to make any choices at all? The straight answer is that you have to create conditions in your life so that you can make one choice that will begin to change your life. And that choice is to do anything you can to begin to extract yourself from survival mode. It might seem overwhelming because it takes a lot to get out of survival mode and overwhelm. But it is possible because actions have ripple effects and for each successive action you take it will become a bit easier. On this podcast and on social media, I share all that I can, but if you want more help and guidance than I can offer here, I am currently creating the Mom Life 180 course. This course has four easy modules that will help you replace chaos and overwhelm with calm and cabidium living. In this course, I've condensed the most important tools I use to get myself out of survival mode and constant overwhelm. More on that at a later date. But if you want to make sure you get notified when the course is open for enrollment, go to carpetdiamology.com and sign up for the newsletter. Or even easier, download the homework for this episode at carpetdiamology.com forward slash workbook three and you'll automatically get on the mailing list. So how do you make better decisions? It's easy. Be yourself. But then it's not that easy after all. And if you're not quite there yet, work on that and then it will happen automatically. But here are a couple more approaches to help you. Forgo Envy. Use Hella Juve's Jealousy or All or Nothing test to identify the bits and pieces you are jealous of, and then use them as a signal that there is something you should work on achieving. And remember that jealousy is actually a sign that there is something you are not working on achieving for yourself. I am 99% sure Mel Robbins also said that. I have it on a note in my desk drawer, but I cannot for the life of me find the source. If you know it, please DM me on Instagram. I would love to have the source. It might even be in the High Five Habit book, but I'm not going to check now because I want this episode to actually reach your ears. And a note on being yourself, because that is surely easier said than done. Do not care about other people's opinions and expectations, unless they are your partner or your child. And if you're not there yet, work on releasing the hold that these opinions and expectations have on you. But don't stop your progress while you work on this. Even when you've not stopped caring about other people's opinions and expectations, you can still be brave and feel the weight of their opinions and expectations, but do whatever you want anyway. All you have to do is ask yourself if your decisions align with your mission and your values. When I make decisions in motherhood, I use this question. Does this decision align with my mission, which is to create a space in which my children can feel safe, supported and happy? Because in the end, that is all that matters. If you want to take your decision-making game to the next level, download the workbook for this episode at carpetdiamology.com forward slash workbook three and do your homework. If you love this episode, please follow the podcast so don't miss next week's Carpetdiamology class. Also, share Mel's YouTube video. It's epic. Or share this episode with a mom friend and consider reviewing it on Apple Podcasts so this new baby of a podcast can reach the moms who need it. You would make my day and I promise I'll give you a virtual high five and a gold star. 
because after all, almost all mothers need less overwhelm and more Capdium 2.0 in their lives. You deserve to feel good about the decisions you make. So complete the workbook, make at least one decision that moves your life forward and go out there and rule your world. Until we meet again, Carpe Diem.